You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. And welcome to Elsers, a production of Galactic Network. I'm Gregor Sprick, and joining me is Corey Scott. And real quick, before we get started, for info on, on all this, or on the show, including show notes and subscription links, you can go to elsnerds.com. And for other Galactic Network programs, go to gncasts.com. And as a warning, on Elsnerds, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking, so we will both spoil things and swear liberally. This is your one and only warning. Um, and we'll start off the show by going, hi, Garly. Um, Corey, how you doing? Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, the motherfucker, <laughs> and tits. Uh, you're welcome. Play <laughs> it all out there and, and 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 give the audience what they apparently don't want. Hey, uh, uh, how's it going? Oh, good. So for those of you guys who don't realize why I'm laughing so much, one, I believe that is George Carlin's seven words. Not seven to say words. Never, you'll never say on TV, although, boy, that's past. Yeah, which I, I loved on At Midnight where they were talking about, I think it was like on the, the anniversary of George Carlin's like either birthday or death day, something one of the two, that they, or no, no, it was the anniversary of him saying those. And then Chris did it and how many of them didn't get bleeped. And I'm like, nice. Well, that's a great point. Uh, but then I was talking about this earlier with uh, one of the kids from my church uh, who wanted me to turn on the swearing. And I'm like, I'll do my best. Um, can't make any promises for anyone else, though. So, uh, yeah, let's go. But enough about that. Let's get into the show. We are recording a little later than normal because I just got out of work and I have to turn around and go, go to work at eight in the morning tomorrow. So this is going to be fun. It's going to be a weird show, and uh, I want to apologize to our guest from last week, Jackie Hearn, uh, who I'm very glad that she got to be on, but unfortunately I missed it. I had a uh, family emergency over the weekend and uh, could not be here. Uh, Apologize to her, apologize to you, the listeners. I I went out on a limb and made that plural. Uh, Could be listener. That's fine. Hi, Growly. Uh, But (laughs) No, actually, uh, apparently we are big in Japan. Yeah, looking at like beat, look at looked at our statistics, and a lot of people are listening to. So, saying the uh, the only Japan Japanese that the only Japan that I know, uh, the only Japanese I know, oh hi, gozaimasu. That's it. I've you know and and oi and konnichiwa. That's it. I'm done. I've I've uh, I've tapped out. <laughs> Viva la hamster. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, yeah. So. Let's get into the news, shall we? Um, and the first bit of news is comic book news. And if I had planned ahead, I would have put this on the back on the TV. But they have announced the new... Well, first off, Marvel has announced that Jean Grey, the original pre or post Phoenix, we don't know, is coming back. Last to com- by Grant Morrison, uh, I believe. Uh, but it's so hard to keep up with the comics these days. Actually, uh, I believe that, that sounds about right because she hasn't come back since since the last time since that last time so right except that she has <laughs> well <laughs> and and then there was like a thousand phoenixes running around and 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 we'll get into the the repetitiveness of this in a in a minute but yeah uh so jean gray is returning as as the character phoenix that is pretty much all she's known for 
uh, other than calling her boyfriend in the cartoon series in the 90s Cyclops, even though he did have an actual first name. Uh, it's just like every romantic scene between Jean Grey, whose superhero name is Jean Grey, <laughs> and Cyclops, uh, a.k.a. Scott Summers. It's like, oh, Cyclops, shut up. Like, oh, man. Like, the cartoons have not necessarily gotten a lot better, but there was definitely better examples. And and a lot of us have a, a love of that 90s X-Men cartoon series because it was very good at adapting from the comics. But at the same time, it was just so cheesy. It was in some ways, it was just so bad. It's it's like watching 90s and 80s superhero movies. And, and that was all we had. And now having to compare them to things from from the last 10, 15 years, they don't hold up. And and why would they? But how many old movies hold up? It, it's it's touch and go on some of that stuff. But they really don't hold up. But at, yeah. when we were kids, man, that they were awesome. And and some things it's like, okay, so we've got a modern day Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles couple of films, but they don't seem to hold up compared to the original ones. And the original ones were hokey and and kind of like, puppety costumes and everything but they just felt a lot more purely close to what the comics were and the new ones are all just like over stylized so it, it it can go both ways yeah so um marvel has announced the with this they're doing a limited series called the uh, resurrection of jean gray which again I, th- I think as we said you know she hasn't really been back fully like there have been like these are little like instances i i would compare it almost to from what I understand of uh, Barry Allen when he died uh, during Crisis on Infinite Earths, where he came back in these little bits, but it wasn't like, he's back, here's his new regular series. No, it was just bring him in. Well, I was speaking more of the the young versions of the original five X-Men being around and somehow that's still, while never making sense, just doesn't seem to matter anymore. You've got the young versions of some of these characters coexisting with the current day versions Mm -hmm. and current day Iceman suddenly discovering that he must be gay because the young version of him is. And the only reason the young version that he said that he was is because young Jean Grey said, Bobby, you're gay. Really? I didn't know that. Well, I guess that must be true. And it was just like, we'll get into who did that in a few minutes too. But it's just, it was a poorly written scene to make what is probably some very interesting comics as the results. Yeah, but that that moment w- didn't feel earned and felt really kind of cruel. Uh, in you've been outed to yourself by a friend who read your mind and invaded your privacy. Uh, that said, this is old school Jean Grey to to fix yes. the issues that we have with older school Jean Grey. Uh, so, okay, to to clear to make this easier on you when we say this, Grey problem. We we are talking about the adult Jean Grey, not teenage Jean Grey, who is the time displaced one. No, because no, nerd culture has leaked into porn, and adult Jean Grey sounds like something else entirely. Uh, I, I don't. Okay, in her thirties, Jean Grey. We'll just call her Jean Grey Prime. That 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 for some reason that rings to me, even though we don't know that that's necessarily the case because yeah. Jean Grey was supposed to be Phoenix, and then when Jean Grey came back to life after the whole Dark Phoenix thing. It turned out she wasn't ever really Phoenix. It was some clone or something. And then Madeline Pryor and, oh man, so many Jean Greys. It's almost as many Wolverines. It's yeah. it's just so bad. But anyways, we, we are so off track of this story here. 
because they've announced the writing and art team for this, and then they've announced the roster for X-Men Red. This is the series that is going to take place that is this Jean Grey uh, that's going to be taking place in the uh, resurrection of Jean Grey that she is going to be leading. So they're going to have three X-Men color books. I think we're three away from just having X-Men Rainbow. I'm going to go into that in a second, too. Yeah. But yeah. But so, uh, so far, and uh, Corey, you can give us backstory on some of these characters um, because I'm familiar with a few of them. Um, Well, actually, most of them. All right. So the creative team is Tom Taylor, who is currently writing all new Wolverine. And I think might be writing the resurrection of Jean Grey uh, for Marvel. I'm not 100% on that. But uh, so he's going to be introducing this new team and new book. Mahmoud Azrar is the artist. And then Travis Cherist is going to be doing the covers. Travis did a really, to me, just fantastic run of Wildcats in the 90s with Alan Moore writing. Always liked his work, but he is not super fast. So it makes sense that he's a cover artist uh, on this. Yeah. So some of the team, so the, the, they've announced the team, they were te- teasing it. It was weird because in the, my Feedly re, uh, thing today, because I didn't have to go into work until until four. So when I checked it at 10, they had the, hey, Marvel's teased this. And then like an hour later, here's the team. I'm like, but usually when you tease something, you're doing it over a couple of days, not. Yeah, they did. The, they, they did the classic thing where they show the cover and they have the first person on the team, uh, Gene, in the middle, show her and everybody else is blacked out. And then slowly they reveal the other characters throughout the day. But they did them in in groups of two. So they really didn't want to stretch it out too long. And some of them were kind of obvious. You could tell from the outlines uh, of the claws of, of X-23 slash Wolverine slash Laura and yeah. the, the hand of Nightcrawler. Although, again, multiple Nightcrawlers jumping around. So uh, see which one this is. You could tell who some of these characters were. There was some question based off of the hairstyle and the pointed ears of whether it was Namor or Northstar. Yeah. So but it here, turns out to be... So yeah, so so there so we've got it up. Real quick, because I got from my comic book store the Marvel Value Stamped uh, book that they've been doing with all of the uh, Marvel Legacy issues. But inside they have advertised, nice and big, the Phoenix Resurrection story and actually it is written by matthew uh rosenberg with art by lennon Yu, carlos pacheco joe bennett uh raymond uh ramon rosanas and elizabeth torque okay well i recognize um, more of the artist than i do yeah i don't recognize the writer unfortunately um, oh gosh I, I, he, he did something recently like but i can't think of it right now but anyways let's get um on here the team because i, I actually like this team this is really cool the wakandan mutant which i didn't know he was wakandan uh Gensel, he is in the upper left corner when you look at the, at this um, his uh, with the power to increase his muscle mass for short periods of time. Yeah, he's interesting because he was introduced when Storm was married to Black Panther and she transferred him over to the Xavier School because his powers are uncontrollable. As he uses his powers more and more, he gets stronger, but it will sort of take over his body and eventually he won't be able to contain his own strength. So he's covered with tattoos that are made from vibranium to kind of yeah. help keep him in place but he's he's a danger to himself it's not dissimilar from hulk in that hulking out makes hulk dangerous to himself and others but in this it's more he uses his powers and he's more likely to die young and so it's 
it, that I guess kind of works with the, what the name is of, of yeah. gentle because y- you don't really want to overdo stuff. I guess he also doesn't feel anything. He has no sense of touch at this point because of his, his powers. He's yeah. supposed to be at a power level of Colossus or potential power level of a Colossus, which is a class 100 in the Marvel universe measurements. Uh, so, and that's, that's the other thing is you're going to look at this and you're going to see parallels to other X-Men teams and other X-Men yeah. characters and how they, they play off. So I'm, I'm interested to see what his character is like, uh, personality wise, uh, to, to play off of what his power set is. Yeah. Uh, the next one, actually, I'm going to do the next two because they're both someone that, uh, or characters that, uh, Tom Taylor is very familiar with because he, he is writing their book. Um, the young Wolverine clone, Gabby, who is in the middle left, uh, she has a single bone claw in each hand, an insensitive ins- insensitivity to pain, and a healing factor. She's This was been the start of the all-new Wolverine book. She was one of three girls who were clones of Laura Kinney, a clone, who is the other one we're going to talk about here, is the all-new Wolverine, with the same powers as Wolverine. The difference being she has two claws um, in her hands and then one claw in her foot. Yeah, Laura um, Kinney, if you aren't familiar with the comics, uh, if you saw the Logan movie, she was what the character was that Logan was protecting in that film, just in a, a more adult version. And she's only ever really been an adult version in the comics uh, since she was introduced by uh, Chris Yost. And I never remember the other guy's name. I feel so bad. Craig Kyle. In the the X-Men cartoon series, that they had years ago. They introduced X-23 on that, and then they brought her over to the comics. And then Joe Quesada was using her in NYX, which was New York X-Men, which was kind of like a out-of-continuity thing that they moved into continuity. And she replaced Wolverine eventually uh, in the role when Logan died. So right off the bat, we've got a clone of Wolverine and then a clone of a clone of Wolverine. I Again, I have stuff to say about this. We'll get to it. But yeah. interesting um, because Gabby is young and pretty innocent and not as corrupted as yes. I guess her sisters were. And so to see her on the team and, and and gentle on the team, it seems like it's not a team that's meant for slugfests uh, or it's going to lead to some emotional turmoil if, if it results in that because these are characters that, while they're very capable of getting into blowout fights probably shouldn't uh either due to their ages or their their physical ailments and stuff so yeah so gabby um who she doesn't have a name yet but she's like a like i mean a code name um she she started out she was the one mutant the one out of her sisters um out of her two other sisters that didn't have a healing factor um or have you know so they were all really careful actually no none of them had a healing factor but she couldn't feel, she couldn't, she like she still can't, she can't feel any pain and all that. And uh, Growly's asking, isn't Gabby one of the X-23 clones or the, the 23 other clones? No, so it's separate because X-23 was like the 23rd trial or of this, of the clone, of the cloning process of Wolverine. Actually, wait, I, I, think, that, I think that's wrong. Anyways, no, she's, uh, Gabby was taken out afterwards uh, and made, you know, a separate clone like cloning process from Laura as opposed yeah, you, to from Wolverine. You got to think duplicity. Uh, yeah. Growly. It's, it's, it's more of a, if you've ever seen, Oh man, 
I'm really dating myself. The uh, <laughs> Michael Keaton movie where he made a bunch of clones and then it just some of them didn't bake all the way and just got worse and worse. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's more like that. Is at some point you you reach the clone nexus of you just you're just creating more goo. So the uh, next team member that we're going to talk about is the team leader Gene Gray, um, returned to life as, under as of yet unexplained circumstances. Whereabouts of the Phoenix Force currently unknown. We will find out in Phoenix Resurrection. Uh, thank um, you, Growly. You're right. Multiplicity. Yeah. Uh, Namor the Submariner in the upper right corner of the cover with the power of flight and super strength and also being a massive dick. Yeah, assholery is Namor's <laughs> biggest power set. And man, they've really pushed to make Namor a part of the X-Men for a long time yeah. because they, 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 a few years ago they said, oh yeah, he's the first mutant and everything. It's like, okay, but we've never really made any kind of ties to him being relation to the real mutants like the x-men mutants but they just harder and harder as much as they can and i guess it makes a certain degree of sense because they can't use him in fantastic four which is where he was introduced as both a foil and a friend and sometimes a fuck buddy for sue storm Uh, and we can't use him in avengers because man the avengers fucking hate him fucking hate him and they're right to be (laughs) fair to be fair though i don't think there's a lot of x-men that like him either no, no, but I mean the Avengers actively like I I do believe Black Panther tried to kill him, mm-hmm. and uh, and everybody who read the book was like fucking kill this guy. No, 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 wait, 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 no, no. Okay, he was going to, but had mercy on him and hid him from Wakanda, who wanted to kill him because he flooded Wakanda. Right, but I thought he actually stabbed him with a little vibranium blade or something. And, and I, you I, just look on his face. I Like I said, I haven't read comics in a while. Yeah. But the stuff that I pick up on is like, okay, that looked like a cool moment. Well, that okay, looked like an earned moment. Okay, I'll put it to you this way. The last time you really saw the Submariner, he was, he was teaming, in air quotes, with Thanos and Thanos' minions. Right. Going to other Earths to destroy them, to prevent the earth basically this is before battle world and uh uh secret wars to uh secret wars 2 he was also part of the squadron supreme book where they both killed him at the beginning of the series and then they brought him back to life at the end of the series yeah because it's marvel Uh, (laughs) yeah um the other one like Corey mentioned before is nightcrawler he's in the middle right uh with the power of teleportation nightcrawler Um, one of the greatest x-men of all time yeah, and I believe Nightcrawler's on X-Men Gold. Right, and so expect and, some shifting in those other teams Yeah, uh, at some point. And then a new character, a brand new character whose origins and powers have not yet been revealed, Trinary. She's in the lower left-hand corner. Yeah, uh, don't know anything about her. She looks a little bit like M from Generation X. She, well, the the name Trinary reminds me of Binary, which was an old Carol Danvers identity that was created when she was hanging out with the X-Men after she had had her powers and memories stolen by Rogue. Uh, And she went with the X-Men into space and fought the Brood with the Shi'ar and, uh, gain powers in there and that's when she became binary for a number of years i don't know that there's any ties at all to that but that's immediately what i think of when i i look at the the name yeah um uh, somebody else mentioned triathlon who was a avenger i think in the kurt busick run 
if I remember correctly on that. So this is our team, and not knowing Trinary's powers, we've got our teleporter who is very agile and and that kind of keep you off your toes thing. We've got two Wolverine characters, one of them who is much more Wolverine in attitude than the other. Um, we've got a strong, tough kind of... Uh, not exactly armored, but invincible sort of dude in gentle who should not utilize his powers. And we've got uh, super Dick in Namor, uh, <laughs> who I'm sure we won't have to worry about him spending a lot of time like, oh, I got to get near water uh, because it's a silly thing to have to try to concentrate on, uh, especially in a team series. But he'll mostly just be like, uh, who do I want to bang on this team? Because I'm Namor. And uh, I want to show you my fish stick. It, it can be an interesting dynamic. It's just, it's hard to look at the team without knowing the background as to why they create this new team and why yeah. it's X-Men Red, other than the fact that it's a redhead in charge. I really thought it was just going to be a group of all Jean Grey clones. I thought it was going to be Hope and Rachel Summers and Goblin Queen and Young Jean. I just, like... It it seemed like because we had the the team of of essentially of Wolverines in X Force a few years ago where they just got like every badass and put them on the team like uh, you got a blade yeah show up over here yeah we're just gonna go kill things all day why not but that brings me back to a personal history I have with the X Men but not the real X Men but in the nineties when the cartoon series was coming out and I think I've probably mentioned this on the show before uh, I met a good number of friends and got started in in writing and stuff on the old prodigy bulletin board service and in particular in the uh paper rpgs forums there was a group that built up around the premiere of the x-men cartoon series and it was so it was a lot of people that were play acting as different x-men characters and of course there were way too many people to just be characters from the show or even characters from the comics to a certain degree so a lot of us made up our own characters and again because there were so many people, you couldn't just have, at that point in time in the comics, there was X-Men Gold and X-Men Blue. Uh, one book being written by Scott Labdell uh, and the other book being written by Fabian Nicieza. So we had multicolor groups. And they didn't really have a theme for some of the teams. It was just like, this is X-Men White and this is X-Men blue and this is x-men gold and this is x-men green and this is x-men whatever and when i joined up and i created my character i wound up in x-men red and x-men red did have a theme which was more of it was like the kind of more cutthroat version of the x-men not necessarily like the the black ops team because there was a black x-men black but it was a little bit more of you were going to get more mature storylines. You were going to get more adult stuff. It was led by my friend Josh, who was a werewolf character, and uh, my other best friend, Anne, and her werewolf character. And my character was a guy that was in silver armor and had swords and guns and everything. And then we also had silly stuff. Like, we had a guy who hung out with us that was just, he turned into a dog. And he spent most of his time just as a dog. And and since it was people playing online, it was just a lot of silly, fun stories. Like my character spent most of his time looking to see who stole this cream rinse because his his poor hair couldn't handle not being conditioned well enough. 
And so the other day, Josh posted on my board and he's like, hey, um, here's this new X-Men Red Team coming out. And I said, needs a werewolf. And he, he, he was posting today as they were showing the characters. He's like, well, there's no werewolf here. I'm like, yeah, but there's two Wolverines. I feel like we kind of are meeting <laughs> our quota. And, and I can see Gentle as being like maybe my version of of uh, my character in in some similarities. And and the super dick version of Namor, I created a character uh, that was essentially like my first asshole character. And everybody who saw me playing the one character who was nice and very knightly and 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 honorific and everything, it was funny and, and people thought, oh yeah, Corey's great at writing humor. Then I start writing this other character and this guy is just pure 100% asshole the entire time. I'm like, who's writing this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and and so I'm looking at this and I'm seeing the parallels between our X-Men Red and this X-Men Red. Oh, and I should mention later on, uh, as I got voted up to being one of the kind of leads of the, the whole group, I reassigned all the X-Men teams and gave them reasons for being. So X-Men Red kind of continued being what it was, but X-Men Black became the Black Ox team. The X-Men Silver became the magic-based team. X-Men uh, white, I think it was because it already existed. May, became more of like the X Factor. Became the public face. The the doing, like if you need somebody to go and show up on the news or or be like out in front of cameras, that would be them. And so on and so forth. X Men Green, I think, was our eco terrorism team or whatever dealing with uh, challenges. It made sense at the time. Very nineties. Yeah. Um, and before Jeff Johns ever did fucking shit with Green Lantern. It was already there, but it's just so funny to me to see this happening now because one of the people that we used to talk to on the bulletin boards was Scott Libdell. <laughs> and that was that was before he was doing Generation X. Like, I remember Generation X was coming out. I'm like, hey, Scott, let me tell you about some character ideas that you should throw than Generation <laughs> X. And Scott, to his credit, didn't listen to me at all. <laughs> I fucking landed everything himself, did a great book, did one of my favorite comics of all time. Yeah. No, that, that that's awesome. So the next story is one that's sort of going to get me upset here. Not incredibly because, you know, I understand, but DC and Warner Brothers have cast Billy Batson or the role of Billy Batson in the Shazam film, and it is Asher Angel. Now, some people might know him from the Disney Channel show Andy Mack, where he plays the main character, Andy Mack's. Uh, love interests on there he is going to be opposite zachary levi who i already had some like a little i was a little bit like eh, he, you know i i didn't know like i like i love zachary levi don't get me wrong but I, I was like he seems a little too too thin to be uh you know the the superhero you know and the big you know muscly physique type you're used to seeing him be kind of scrawny as chuck yeah uh, or like i mentioned a couple of weeks ago when I used to watch him on Less Than Perfect, you know, he was kind of the he was the jerk of the office. Uh, I think his name was Kip, but we <laughs> haven't seen him like all studded up. But it's like seeing John Krasinski from The Office. Is yeah. that his? Yeah. John Krasinski. Yeah. Uh, seeing him all buff as shit now and the stuff that he's doing, like, isn't he's doing something for Amazon where he's playing the I, I think the old Harrison Ford role that he used to play in. Oh, the hunt for Red October wasn't him, but for Patriot Games, yeah, I can't think of the the name. But anyways, my my problem here with it with 
them casting Asher Angel. Jack Ryan. Sorry. Jack, yeah, Jack Ryan. Uh, Growly just put it in there, too. Isn't that also the one of the Tom Cruise franchises that they tried to read uh, a new franchise they tried to give him? No, uh, that's that's or, or, is that, but is that Jack Reacher? Yeah, that's yeah, I think so. But uh, Chris Pine did a Jack Ryan movie not too that's, long yeah. ago. Yeah, uh, fucking Ben Affleck did a Jack Ryan movie. So Jack Ryan's been played by several different people. John Krasinski is just as qualified as anybody else. But yeah. again, we're used to seeing John Krasinski as Jim from The Office. And he hasn't played that character for a long time. And he certainly played other stuff. But in our minds, it's still this is yeah. a guy who mooned over Pan for 15 seasons or whatever. And 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 you love Jim and you, you really like John Krasinski. And you want to see him get his next role. But it's just like, I don't see him playing such a, an American badass. But he was someone who was considered for Captain America. Yeah, true. And, and that's another one. That's another one. Like, I mean, you know, even Chris Evans, he buffed up for Captain America. I mean, he was, he wasn't, you know, like, you know, super duper skinny, but he wasn't. Well, he wasn't Captain America buff, but then I've seen the losers a number of times. I love that movie. Yeah. And and they have him stripped down more than once. That guy is fucking cut. That guy has always been yeah. kind of cut. Even you, you look at another teen movie, oh, he was yeah. always in good shape. But yeah. you're right. There's there's a level that you hit when you become a Marvel star, yeah. and 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 a DC star as well. And I'm sure that Zachary Levi will get into DC superhero oh, on yeah. screen shape. Yeah, trust me. That's it, it. Was one of those like that part I don't have the problem with. It's it's more with Asher Angel because from what I've seen from him, like I've only seen him on Andy Mac, and I've where I haven't followed or, or you know too closely with season two. I watched season one. And every time they're talking, and I should preface for people, Andy Mack is created by the guy who created Lizzie McGuire on Disney Channel. So there's some pedigree here behind the show. And it, it's really good. It's also filmed in um, in Salt Lake City. But I kid you not, and this is where audio listeners, I'm sorry, but there are scenes where he is doing, where he just has the dumbest, like the... Uh, look and i'm like you're supposed to show some emotion here in this scene and it just seems like you're all in there. yeah there's there's not a high expectation from those styles of shows i mean they're they're all filmed in such a way that they they seem very similar and they they focus on the silly they're meant for no, teenagers no, 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 no this is they, this is this isn't like the 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 raven's home or Casey Undercover or Bizarre. You're saying a lot of things stuff. that I've never watched, so I don't it's, have a lot of reference. This is, it's it's separate. It's not the Disney Channel sitcom stuff. It's a single camera. It's more drama than anything else. Okay. Um. It's, uh, it, it, it's you know, it's it's hitting this different spots here with it uh, because it's, like I said, it's not these, like, the, oh, the, the kids, the kids don't really act. They just yell louder. And yeah. stuff to sh- and all that. It's a little bit. It's, but is the level of what the expectations are for that show the same as what they're getting from a movie? There's got to be a reason why it was cast. He's. I. I think honestly, I think he could do better. I. I. I think it's so far what I've seen him, of him in season two. He has. He has done better in acting. You know, not so much of the, just looking dumb while you're, you know, you're, listening to your 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 girlfriend talk to you about how she's super duper jealous 
of you hanging out with this girl with the pixie haircut and all that stuff. And like he are you he, talking about Scott Pilgrim? Because it sounds like you're talking about Scott Pilgrim. A little bit. The the main character, Andy Mac, she has like really short hair. And they, they stay with the pixie haircut. I'm like, is that a pixie haircut? But anyways, it's I don't know. I I I feel like I need to watch more of Andy Mac to see if he's improved before I go, okay. Or or maybe see other stuff that he's been in. Uh yeah. so I'm gonna I'm gonna give two examples of and not to to counter you, but to say that the expectations based off of the first things that we were seeing them in and where they wound up. One of them is Jared Leto. Jared Leto, the first time I ever saw was in um, My So-Called Life. And I loved My So-Called Life. I, I was watching it on ABC when it was on and then had to go over to MTV to get the rest of the episodes when they started re-airing it. It was very sweet, good show. Jared Leto was the boy that uh, Claire Danes fawned all over. And he leaned great. But the expectations of Jared Leto from that point, like, loved him because he was on the show and, and loved loved and hated his character uh, to many a degree. Um, but he, he played him well, but he didn't, like, blow me away with his acting ability or his chops. But you take that and you look at Jared Leto of today and, and the vast, varied body of work, and, and you can... You can make comments about his Joker and stuff, but he's certainly proven in a lot of different roles that he's a very fine actor uh, and and not a bad singer. The other yeah. one would be Will Smith. Will oh, Smith, yeah. who had a lot of charm and was great in front of a camera, working a crowd from from being uh, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince and all that. But when you had the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, you watched him learn how to act during the seasons of that show because in that first season no uh second season eh, no uh third season eh, no but maybe and then it just kind of went on and and definitely by the time he started hitting the big screen it was like this guy can command a movie he can he his performance is good enough that it keeps you riveted to it and again not all of his work is the greatest in the world but he's consistently watchable He's good. You know, you can put him in a shit film and you're going to walk out of there saying, well, that was a shit film. Will Smith was stupid for choosing to be in that. Uh, but that's what you get when you're fucking listening to uh, a guy who made Avatar. Uh, but still, these are these are two guys that young actors were better than what their first roles were or were probably adequate in their first roles, but learned over time. And, and something made them choose this kid to be our, our Billy Batson and, and how much of the weight is going to be on him versus how much of the weight is going to be on Zachary yeah. Levi. And I, I trust in Zachary Levi to command a performance, uh, even in something that, that is going to be outside of the norm from him. Yeah. I still think it'll, it is a possibility. I, I honestly look at this and I looked at his IMDb. He hasn't really done much. Um, he was in an episode of a Nickelodeon TV show that you would not know the name of. Um, he was in an episode of Criminal Minds Beyond Borders. Um, he hasn't really done too much. And it's one of those things that, like, I I, I would have to imagine that that they just sort of killed it, like, or he killed it in the auditions and stuff like that. But along the same lines, I don't, like, it's, it's like, it's just seeing those little things that he did throughout season one of the, the only thing I've seen him in. 
like it's just when I'm like show a little bit more emotion here because you you honestly it, it, that, and that was it and he probably has done better and all that and I applaud him he, by the time this is done or they start filming with this it they probably would have done season three maybe season four of Andy Mac and I honestly I, I, I honestly I want to be proven wrong I honestly want to be proven wrong that he's you know going to be great in this. Yeah, and we didn't know the kid who played Spider-Man recently. Yeah. We hadn't seen him in anything before. All of a sudden, he showed up in Civil War. Well, and- I mean, you, you could, yeah. You think about if you think about this, you know, you go back to the '90s. We didn't know an actor who got brought in halfway, or in what season four, I think, of uh, of the Growing Pains, and now he's finally won an Oscar. You know, I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio. He came in, you know, a good majority of the way through the, the series run. I was going to make a joke about Ben, but I could not for the life of me remember the name of the guy who played Ben. (laughs) And I don't know that he can either. Certainly his agent doesn't remember. Uh, (laughs) Hey, he was in Battle of the Network Stars here, this reboot that they did. Yeah, was it just because he needed someone beat up on? And no one would feel bad if we beat up on Ben. (laughs) He got hit with the ugly stick so many times. I'm sorry, that's rude. That's absolutely cruel. I'm not a pretty man. I can't just make fun of actors, but I can because I do. (laughs) And it's the internet. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so before Corey says anything else that's going to get him in trouble, we're going to we're going to talk some Star Wars news. We have two stories that came from the same place that we're going to combine into into one. They come from a galaxy far, far away. Yes, uh, a um, long, long last week ago. Yeah, and I should preface this by saying I have still not seen anything on Star Wars: The Last Jedi. I am doing my best to go in blind. So you're going in dry for the Jedi. Exactly. I'm, I'm saving myself for the last Jedi. <laughs> um, but uh, so two things that they announced on a conference call last week that uh, Disney CEO Bob Iger announced is that Disney is developing a live action Star Wars TV series that will be exclusive to Disney's new streaming service. Now, we could talk about the, the streaming service all we want, but we'll save that for when there's more to it because right now we're hearing a lot of rumor and speculation but the service which is set to launch in 2019 the series uh, star wars series will be joined by three other live action shows uh based on disney properties uh one of them being marvel one of them on monsters inc um which way a monsters inc live action thing I, i don't see that one working that one has to be animated and then the third one based on high school the high school musical franchise all of these are safe bets. All of these, honestly, all four of these seem like enough to get the right amount of people to subscribe to their service. But the question I have for you, Corey, is what do you want to see out of a live action TV series set in the Star Wars universe? It's it's a question of how much of it is stars versus different planets. How much of it can they film in Atlanta, like Walking Dead, and try to make it look like different stuff? And it, I don't know. It, well, well. To be to be fair though, Guardians Volume Two was filmed in Atlanta and London. Right. Yeah. And and the the first of the the new trilogy was filmed in London. Yeah. They they've done a great job with this. One of the things that I remember as a kid was there was the Star Wars made-for-TV stuff 
based around the Ewoks. There was a couple Ewok movies made for TV, and it was very easy to do because they were just all out in the the Redwoods. Uh, they were probably filmed out here. I've never actually checked, but it would make sense since this is where Lucas Arts and everything is, and, and we just happen to have a lot of those trees. I kind of, we've, we've waited a long time for a Star Wars live-action TV series. It's been talked about since the prequels came out, it was certainly something that we wished for as kids before the prequels, but but after the prequels all happened, it was like, oh yeah, they're gonna do a Star Wars for TV at some point, and they kept saying it, and they kept saying it, and, and then we would get cartoon series here and there, and we got the original Clone Wars by Gendy Tartakovsky. Tartakovsky, thank you. And then we got the three D animated Clone Wars by somebody who doesn't have any respect for the stuff that came before him. And we've got the the current series, uh, which I hear is quite good. I'm interested to see what they do, but this is more interesting to me than the next series of films because the next series of films, we kind of heard that after episode nine, there is potential to still continue with the characters like Ray and Finn it's one of the other things that I've been hearing lately is that those characters might continue on, but they just won't be episode 10 or whatever. It'll be something else. And maybe that's what this is. I want to get as far away from the Skywalker Kenobi clans as possible. Yeah, this, this, I, I agree with you. Like, honestly, the Skywalker saga would be great to end at nine movies. Yeah. Um, and and which- if, if Ray is turned out to be relative to one of those clans, I'm not against that. It's just, and I certainly wouldn't mind seeing more of, of Daisy as the character and John Boyega as his character. I I like these characters. I like these people, these actors who are portraying them. And I I like their stories so far, but I just, I keep aching for star Wars to be more, you know, it just feels very tight for something that is supposed to be space opera. That should be huge. And I don't want huge. Like I don't want to be, like Game of Thrones where there's just so many fucking characters thrown up all over the screen and you have to keep track of everybody's dumb goddamn names and like, wait, who's this guy again? Who did he, who did he fucking kill or kill and fuck or whatever where they do that on the show? Um, I don't want that. I want coherent, followable storylines, but I want it to be about the greater universe and not necessarily... I know a couple people beat actually said this in the chat when he first posted it is like uh, Knights of the Royal Republic or get the fuck out. I don't necessarily need that, but I, I understand the appreciation for that because that is an exciting time for fans of these, the, these stories and their histories, but there's so much potential and I wouldn't mind a fucking Farscape style show with Jim Henson's Muppets doing the shit. I mean, that's, that's the star Wars that I grew up with. You, you have that cantina, there was just so much potential in that one room. That's what made Star Wars exciting. And yeah, lightsabers are awesome. But you know what's awesome also? Not having lightsabers all the fucking time. Yeah. Here's so here's here's something I want to I want to throw to you as a possibility. And also this will tie in with their other story. Because there's Ryan Johnson, the writer and director of Star Wars Last Jedi, is set to create a new Star Wars trilogy, an all new Star Wars trilogy that they said is going to be separate from the episodic Skywalker saga. He's going to write and direct the first episode or the first uh, movie in this trilogy and then oversee the uh, the other two, you know, maybe maybe write, write them or something like that. 
could this be the possibility of getting what what we were promised with the dark tower movie and tv shows and stuff like that where the tv show that we get ties in with ryan johnson's movies maybe but that still doesn't feel that's still too tied together you know i want if you've got a whole fucking i mean i mean i mean tied together not like like okay we got the same actors but because with with what i'm getting with that with hearing him you know it's gonna be something set in the you know it's in the star wars universe but it's not focusing in on anyone named skywalker or no but i mean whatever but it's still like i don't want them tied together with each other yeah, it, I don't mind a new trilogy that is its own series of stories that are all tied in together because that makes sense. They're a trilogy, and I don't mind a TV series that's all tied together because it's a fucking TV series. Unless you do the the every season is a new storyline, like American Horror Story or whatever. I don't mind any of that. It's it's the oh well, I get a movie, season of a TV show, movie season of a TV show. I'm not looking for that giant epic tale i want a giant epic universe that has a lot of tales and yes you can have some crossover you can have some like this character shows up in this thing and sin city the fuck out of it that's fine but i still like if you want to do a story about not necessarily boba fett but about uh the 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 racing is melorians is that right i don't fucking know anymore like that's how far gone i am from star wars in some ways mandalorian mandalorians thank you Uh, i get it confused with midichlorians yeah and it's it's all bullshit that didn't work but if if you want to follow the mandalorian ideas and stuff or having character that's like that it's kind of like firefly it's the joke that they did on the cleveland show about firefly is when you have a ship full of han solos then it makes han solo not special and that's kind of what i want is i want the specialness yeah. I want the inventiveness. I want the, you bring new characters, you bring new creatures, you bring new designs, you bring new ideas to it. And so it's not a bunch of, like, I don't want 50 hours to tell one story. I want a really great story in six hours. I want the BBC season in 10 episodes Yeah, that tells a whole tale. That's more exciting. One, because I'm old. Uh, and, and And there's something to be said for, for investing yourself and pouring into something and just being a part of it. But that giant level of like watching 16 hours to get all of the Lord of the Rings. And now Amazon's going to fuck with that and bring you a prequel series. It's like, I don't, I don't need that. I don't need to, to wheel of time myself. Uh, I got, I got too little time as it is. And, and I just, I just want to have a couple hours that I can jump in and enjoy something and jump out. And yes, explore the universe and explore the story and take it to its fullest degree. But it's like the new Blade Runner was almost three hours. Did you need it to be? No. And apparently it didn't work out because people didn't watch it. Sometimes you got to be entertaining and and cut the, the, the wheat from the chaff and just give us a good solid story in, in a time allowed that makes sense for a human fucking being who has a job, a J-O-B. Uh, that's me. I, I got to get up and go to work in the morning. Yeah. I don't. I honestly, I don't know what they're they're gonna do. I, I like the idea of the setting of the TV show being like like if it's so if if you split up the split up the Star Wars uh, universe into a into quadrants, and we've mainly been been in quadrant one, 
and Ryan Johnson's uh, thing is going to take place in Quadrant 4 or something like that, I would be okay if if this movie or if the TV shows also took place in Quadrant 4. I mean, if they, because of the people that work for the company, and we're talking about Disney, Disney owns Marvel, they could do the Marvel thing. Yeah. They could have a series, a trilogy here, and then some crossover stuff over here and, and work all this stuff up. I am not anxious to see someone else step in and try to do that same thing again. We've seen the challenges that Warner Brothers has had trying to do it with DC. We will see the challenges. Of their, well, we saw the blow up of the Universal Monster um, Dark Universe stuff that like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this whole big crossover with all these Universal Monster characters. Here's your Tom Cruise movie. Where is everybody? Hey, what up, yo? This, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's not Jack Reacher three. It's 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 a mummy movie. You guys like mummy movies? You came to the last series, right? Oh, those were better, really. Brendan Fraser, <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, by the way, they were they were far. But uh, yeah, that's 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 the point. Is it's such a huge risk. I like that Disney can take risks, and if anybody can pull it off, it seems they've been the ones who or, or people who worked with them have have done it. But it's just like, I get that Star Wars is huge. Yeah. It absolutely is a phenomena that is almost unparalleled and maybe unparalleled. Maybe what else is as big and beloved as Star Wars is for the amount of time that it's been in the the zeitgeist of, of the average person. Like in my lifetime, Star Wars came out and now is at this fucking zenith of like everybody's just been going crazy about Star Wars at least every 10 years or so. There's like this big drive to get more Star Wars and more Star Wars and more Star Wars. And it left the hands of the original creator and yet it somehow remains bigger than ever. That is a huge thing to have achieved and and definitely if there's something that deserves to be able to just dominate, I guess it's that. And I guess it's yeah. Disney because Disney is dominating these properties now. But I just would love to see some good stories. I like Rogue One a lot because of what it was, not necessarily because of what it did, but because it was a standalone tale that was, yes, a a zero issue to the original series. Um, (laughs) But I I just I enjoyed it because these characters that came into that, um, I didn't enjoy the parts where they relied on characters that preexisted. But I enjoyed seeing all these new characters and these new ideas and a new story and a new feeling for the Star Wars universe all at once. That was that was more exciting to me. And maybe I'll get to a point. And again, it's never always about me. These are just my opinions. I'm sure there are so many people out there who would just want what you said. The the 50 hour epic of the TV series and, and movie trilogy and everything. There are certainly people who would just be all over that like rats on cheese. And I, I would probably watch as much of it as I could. And if, if the movie grabbed me, I would enjoy it for the ride until I die uh, prematurely in the middle of it. Like, I'm never going to see my last Marvel film. I'm never going <laughs> to see my last Star Wars film. I'm not going to make that long. But I, I would just rather, I would be more excited about something that is contained and just impeccable like the, the original series was to me. Those first three movies were just the greatest things in the world to me and never let me down the whole way through. And I liked the Ewoks, and I liked the original Ewok song. And it was just when somebody came back and started fucking with it and retooling everything to piss me off and lost me for a good number of years. But now I'm back. Yeah, I'm here. How could that excite me? A fucking idiot who put flashlights in replacement for guns and ET. <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, so that is going to do it for the news. But hey, if you want to be like Brian Jensen and be a our newest Patreon partner, yes, Brian Jensen, this is your moment. You get a big old thank you from myself, from Corey, from everyone here at, at I feel like we Network. Kelly Clarkson is saying this is your moment. Um. <laughs> I, I can't, I'm not even going to try to sing because I'm horrible. Uh, but if you want to be like Brian Jensen, it's really easy. Go to gncast.com slash support. On that, you will find the Patreon link, or you can go to patreon.com slash galactic netcast. And for as little as $1, that's it, just a dollar a month. Not, not an episode, not a week, a month. You could support the show. You can help keep the lights on here because I hate to tell you, but we I'm afraid of the dark. I don't like being, well, I'm not afraid of the dark. I don't like being in the dark. And so if this helps, you know, keep the lights on here where I get to talk to Corey and B and, you know, and Growly, then, hey, support. Keep keep it to where I can talk to talk to my best friends in the whole wide world that I've never met face to face, you know? Someday. The other part, the other part, thing of this is, if you think we swear too much, and I don't think I've sworn at all today on the show. I don't know. I got you covered. Yeah, <laughs> you can go to the survey bit.ly/en/survey2017. That is capital E, capital N, capital S, lowercase Irvay, 2017. In lowercase Irve is the guy from uh, Fantasy Island, right? <laughs> deep plane, boss, deep plane. That one. Oh, I'm so glad you got that reference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't remember seeing the show, but I know the reference. But you go there; it is like a 20 question survey. It wouldn't take. It's not going to take you that long. And you, you, hey, what do you want us to talk about? What do you think? You know, do you want us to swear? Do you not want us to swear? Do you want to speak in German accents? I that's going to sound horrible, but you know what. Basically, we will take all these things into consideration to and try to improve the show. So, go do it. We're back. Before we get into the else views, uh, you reminded me of something. Coming home from Thor Ragnarok, I almost died. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, the movie theater I went and saw it in is actually the one that's like right behind my where I work. And so, I'm coming back on the highway, and I'm not even a mile, like, from the entrance ramp and i'm like i'm looking down the road i'm like why are there headlights like i feel like those are not supposed to be there there's some dude i'm hoping it was a cop i i don't i I didn't look at the paper the next day to see you know some jackass just died there's my swear that's that's where i'm gonna this is where i'm gonna start (laughs) but some jackass died going the wrong way down the highway i mean i saw this i'm like in my body i'm like this is where I die. This is where I, I'm, I'm going to meet my maker here. And I slow down and I'm like, oh, good. And they, I was watching the rearview mirror and I'm like, do I go back and see like what the fuck is up with them? So you turn around and follow them the wrong way down the highway? No, no. I was going to go down the exit and just go back like this and be like, what is going on here? But I didn't do it. I'm just like, because my heart was beating. I'm like, I could have died here. Um, but yeah. So sorry, that was just a little side that I I figured I would mention. Um, but yeah, this is the else views. This is the point in this. This is the point in the show where we talk about the video games, movies, TV shows, things that are that we've been watching over the past week or you know enjoying this past week that we want to get more in depth on. Um, and Corey, um, you, you know you're doing else nerds, right? Th- this isn't pot. Um, yeah, but 
I, I want to Matt. Matt's been good to me, and I want to save him from ever having to see this. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to save you. I want to save you, dear dear Elsner's listener, a potential pot listener, uh, potential pot smoker, because that's there's not enough pot in the world to make you want to see this movie. Now, okay, um, ton of caveats going to this. When Aaron and I, not necessarily when we first started dating, but quite a while ago in in Corey and Aaron, my wife, uh, time, we wow. saw this movie. My wife is a huge fan of horror movies, as I think I've said a billion times. We went and saw this movie that we didn't know much about called Jeepers Creepers. It was in 2001, so we'd been dating for about two years, uh, maybe just over... And uh, it was directed by a guy named Victor Salva. Now, I did not know the history of Victor Salva, or at least did not recognize him by name at the time that we saw it. Victor Victor Salva uh, has done some horrific shit and went to jail for his horrific shit, uh, but is still making movies. Uh, Got to come back and still direct and stuff. And 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 anybody who has a moral reasoning as to not wanting to support his films, I 100% understand. I support you. I get it. Uh, this is a conversation that we've sort of been having on Pot the last two weeks, and I want to apologize to Pot listeners for that because it's not an easy thing to say or talk about, and it certainly is not anything we're going to be able to solve on our wee little podcast, and I should never be in charge of trying to tell people anything that is going to make you feel morally right or wrong. That said, Aaron and I really like Jeepers Troopers. Uh, it is a monster horror movie. It starts out seeming like it's more of a slasher. Uh, the first one had uh, Gina Phillips and Justin Long and was enjoyable. It, it had the premonitions of a character who could see in the future, had the, the Jeepers Creepers tune playing in the background, which a lot of movies, especially like uh, Insidious, have done now where it's like oh here's a creepy song that we play that makes you feel like it's tied into the rest of the movie now um a little ridiculous in most cases but in cheaper creepers at that point in time it was so new we all kind of accepted it uh we've seen the second one a good number of times not as strong as the first one to me but it involves a lot more characters it involves kids on a school bus and the breakdown of their social sect as they're trying to protect themselves and save their own lives but you can see kind of in sexism racism growing in this group that existed already and how it leads to some of the decisions made in the film and again the the creeper from the movies was compelling so and about a month ago around the halloween time uh, the Jeepers Creepers 3, which had been promised for about 10 years, finally came out. And now it had a lot to follow up on from the first film and then the second film. They followed different characters. Uh, they both established histories with the Creeper. And there were promises kind of made at the end of the second film of what we we're going to next. And we were expecting to see Gina Phillips return in this one as well uh, as the survivor of the first movie. Uh, Ray Wise, who was in the second movie, we were going to see him again, too all these plans and stuff and this movie was a big letdown this movie was a big piece of shit and the entire time my my wife and i are watching it now i want to start out with this movie came out in the theater for one night and then i think came back a week or two later for another night and that was it that was its entire theater run and then they played it 
during Halloween week on the Sci-Fi Channel a, a few times throughout the week. I, I think it might still be in rotation now. And it, it's not even as good as sci-fi level movies that you would normally see. Like we were sitting there going, I'd rather watch Sharknado 4. I feel like Sharknado 4 would deliver more to us than what this movie did. It also, in the context of storyline, it takes place in the same week as the first two movies. So it doesn't give a payoff of the the things that we were expecting with uh, Gina Phillips's character, Ray Wise's character, which is the creature that comes back every 27 years, which is very much like it, uh, I realize now. None of that happened. It was just a dumb story with characters and it jumped all over the place. People made horrible decisions to just be overrun by the creeper. They brought back uh, the sheriff from the first movie. He had a totally noticeable and horrible die job the whole time to try to make it seem like this happened the same week in a movie that was filmed 18 years later than the first one uh, or 16 years later. It was just so disappointing. And it's already a, a thing of like, Morally, should you even be watching this? Should you be supporting this? Like I said, a lot of people don't, wouldn't, wouldn't even bother to watch these things. But a lot, a lot of people aren't fans of the first couple movies. It's the same thing as like all these people who have to wrestle with themselves of, can I watch Woody Allen movies now if I believe that Woody Allen has done the things that he's been accused of? Can I watch Roman Pulaski movies now uh, when Roman Pulaski did some shit and then fled the country to get away with it. And the decisions that actors have to make when they show up in these things and, and producers have to make when they're deciding to fund them. That's a very murky area that again, I can't tell you what decision you should make in that. Uh, but I respect your decision, whatever it is that you choose. I'm just going to say, if you're on the fence, walk away from the fence the fence is electrified and um, someone's actively peeing on it. So you will get burned watching this fucking movie. It is awful. It is a waste of time, even for free on a sci-fi channel. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And I'm pissed off that it's not worth it because I really like the first two. And I. it's not like this one being great was going to justify anything that, that Salva has done. No, there's no way of justifying him. Yeah. But I just still wanted a good movie. And I hate the fact that <laughs> that with, on top of the shittiest fucking week that my wife and I were already having, that on top of that to kind of like get ourselves a little bit out of the funk, we watched this and it did nothing to make us feel any better. And And I could say that maybe our mood being as low as it was led to us not enjoying this, but no, it's just, it's ultimately bad. There is no fine point. I read some of the reviews on IMDb as we're halfway through the movie. I'm just like, I can't believe that this movie is both so far in and has not gone anywhere. What are you other people saying? Is this ever going to get better? It never, ever gets better. It's like the Jaws 4 of, of its fucking class. It is just ridiculously shitty. So don't. Yeah. For, for your sake and others, just don't. So what I will point out with part of what you're talking about, about the the, Vic, the Victor uh, Salva thing, which I will point out, his Wikipedia photo, it looks like his mugshot. It is, I, I'm pretty sure it's not, but that looks like his mugshot. The, the, but the stuff you said about the whole situation with him and with Woody Allen, it it's how 
when the whole thing came out about the allegations came out about Kevin Spacey, I I originally wanted to talk about it on on the show in the news and all that stuff. But then getting in with B, I'm like, me and B, we started like <laughs> we started arguing. It was harsh. And and you know what? And that's the thing is I've said before when we've talked about the stories that we're gonna do. There's stories that I've avoided for the sake of there's nothing that we're going to accomplish talking yeah. about it. And I don't I don't mind. I don't shy away from any subject, uh, certainly not personally. And and even in, in the public eye, it's like, one, I'm wrong a lot. I yeah. say dumb shit all the fucking time. I fail pretty much 100 times an hour. I, I'm not proud yeah. of, of, of things. I'm not infallible. But I know that even if I managed to find some speck of brilliance and had some point of like, oh, yes, but what about this? In the grand scheme of things, it's still not going to make anything better for anybody. And, and I, don't like, I don't like reporting the awful side of Hollywood and the awful side of comics. And there is a lot and it's all coming to the surface right now. And it's really hard as a person who looks at stories, not just because I want them for the shows, but also because I'm generally interested in this stuff. That's why we do these podcasts is because the yeah. stuff I, I am fascinated by and want to talk about because I'm, I'm a born and bred geek. But it's just who, who's the right voice for this? Yeah. And it's, it's probably never going to be me. And I, I'd love to get in a room with, with smart people and, and, and learn from them and explore my points of view and find out their points of view to maybe improve my points of view. But again, that's to make myself feel better. That's yeah. to make myself feel like I'm learning something. And maybe a listener could get something from that. But it's just so hard when you see so many people suffering and so many people going through literal hell from the the things that people that we've commonly respected, looked up to, um, admire their work, and now feel torn of like, can I ever watch this person's movies again? Can I ever listen to this band again? And 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 sometimes those works, they matter to you in a way that outweigh the person, yeah. that that outweigh the the artist or the director or the producer or whatever, because your life at that point in time was was affected then. And now it's a memory. It, it's it's something else that you have to you have to think about how you approach it. But I can definitely understand how some people are just like, no, never again. So this is this is actually what I was going to get at because we were talking about me, me and B, we were talking about this. This was the Kevin Spacey part, and the stuff that you were saying about you know letting people make their own decision, but you wanted to see this because you liked the story that Jeepers Creepers had done, you know, Jeepers Creepers and Jeepers Creepers too. And so you're hoping for that payoff with three. That was sort of the same thing I had with Kevin Spacey. Um, to tie this into Miles' view, I'm a big wrestling fan. One of my favorite wrestlers growing up was Chris Benoit, who, it, for those of you guys who do not know, he, um, and I, I, I'm going to assume that it was because of the CTEs, the the concussion thing that they're talking about with football. Um, he... And, and probably steroid usage, but that's besides the point um, of why. But uh, of why why it happened. But he at one day he snapped, or over the course of a weekend, snapped. He killed his wife, killed his son, um, his like I think he was twelve year old son, like you know ridiculously young, and then killed himself. 
and this was a guy at the top of his career and since and and since then WWE they did the whole you know as cuz it came out as to you know he had died but it wasn't really known at the time of what had happened so they did the immemoriums of him and his kid his kid and his wife and then it went and now they do not mention him at all like right. they, he's been wiped from yeah it's they they also nuked Hulk Hogan from orbit because of some of the shit that went down with him. But then I hear the rumor that Hogan may actually get to come back because of the anniversary that's coming up. Yes. And Hogan also uh, to to just not to put a fine point on it, uh is still alive and yeah. and has the opportunity to show up. And while I don't believe in any way that he's redeemed himself for the things that he did uh certainly a different level of awfulness yeah there's but there's the possibility of redemption which is what i was trying to get at with when i was talking with b about the whole kevin spacey thing is it's like i, I just want to be clear yeah redemption is something else well, yeah. uh I, I redemption has to come from his personal life and who he is yeah. outside of it and but what there is the possibility for is acceptance uh, yeah. And 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 do the fans want a Hogan return? And and are we going to be able to bank this or not? And I'm sure if he shows up and people start throwing shit at him and everything, you're not going to see that stuff make it to air, and he will go away very very quickly. Um, but be, if he shows up honest, and people are like, oh yeah, it's Hogan, it, it's like some people are at this point in time still supporting uh, Judge Moore, and and it's just very strange to me the 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 religious aspect of we can accept this guy doing these awful things yeah um because he's our guy and i i i, I fundamentally understand your guy point of view but oh man <laughs> just the the sickening pit of my stomach feeling of like my guy is a fucking dirt bag yeah yet I'm more afraid of the other person because they are diametrically opposed to me in views, even though this fucking cesspit of a human being would match me better. It's yeah. like I would have to come up with in myself, why am I more on the side with someone who is a cesspit of a human being? What does it say about me and my views? But that's I would probably still think that I'm a good person. But yeah, but what, what I'm what I'm getting at with all this is, you know, I, I look at you know, like Chris Benoit, you, you look at his career and he had a great career and it's because of this one thing, boom, he's like, they, they edited around his matches that he had, you know, he, he had big monumental matches and all this. And so the point I was, I was sort of trying to get at, but now that I, we, I've had time to think about it is you look at everyone. I mean, I mean, everyone with all these things that have been coming out about, you know, all these different celebrities, all producers, actors, that there is this, I will say redemption. There is this redemption possibility that they could have if they truly, you know, you know, admit, you know, do whatever they got to do, repent, whatever it is, make amends for what happened, then they can go back and, and make stuff and all that. But to, and with what I was trying to get with, with beat before was we didn't have, or it was not to, you know, victim blame or anything but it was like let's let's see how this plays out before we go all right he's done with everything we're never hiring him again because if it happened to be like 
okay, nothing happened or whatever, which I'm not, I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't think I was alive when this happened. Um, sort of deal. Then you've just, you know, my fear is that what happens if people get this wrong, because, you know, this is the internet. People jump to conclusions super quick. Right. Yeah. The internet should not be the judge and jury on any of this, but every single person should decide for themselves if they want to support the, these, these people who have been accused anymore. And, and I, I said this a couple of weeks ago when, when uh, our friend Beach was on Podcast of Terror, I said it's not automatically believing the accusation, but it is automatically validating the person who's saying it as it's important to listen yes. to them and it's important to investigate it. it. It's not shunning them and saying, oh, you're a liar because this person would never do that or your opinion doesn't matter because, oh, it's no big deal because you're just a woman or it's you're just a black person or you're just a you're not as powerful as this person. So this person is on a higher pedestal and doesn't have to follow the same rules as you. That's that's the part where we've gotten it wrong for so long. But the Internet is, is certainly a giant round of like, I've I've decided what I feel before any evidence is laid out. And that's yeah. why our court system doesn't work that way. But unfortunately, in a lot of cases, these things are never going to go to court. Yeah, because they're they're past uh, statute of limitations, which is shitty. There shouldn't be a statute of limitations on these things. And this stuff needs to be looked at very, very closely. And we need to change the culture. And and I don't like losing favorites. You know, I I loved Bill Cosby growing up. I don't like that. This is who Bill Cosby is. But I believe that it's who Bill Cosby is. Yeah. As much as I don't want to, I have to. Because the evidence is overwhelming. Um, but the first person who made that accusation, it would be very easy to dismiss one person. Because not just because it's it's person against person, opinion versus opinion, or or he said, she said, but because I don't want to believe that of this person that I've looked up to for so long. And that's the failing. And that's that's a personal failing is, well, it's easier for me to believe in the thing that I like as opposed to the thing that I don't like. And that's what we have to learn. And I hope we are collectively learning right now to get past is just because I wanted to be this way doesn't mean that's how it is. You yeah. can't sugarcoat this shit and, and hide in a corner from it. You have to you have to expose it. You have to open that wound and really get in there to clean out the infection that exists. Yeah. And and Growley's hitting hitting the point pretty well here. Actually, Growley stepping in for B, I will add. Um, the way he sees it, the redemption cannot be a lame. I'm sorry after a after a ton of not denials. There must be proof of real change, not a weekend for sex counseling. That's that's the thing I'm get, trying to get at is because here's here's the other end of it. You know, let's say that, I, and I'm gonna stick with Kevin Spacey on this one. Let's say he he does actually find you know, you know he apologizes to um I'm blanking on the actor's name um Anthony Rapp Anthony Rapp. You know, in private, no cameras, no nothing. Anthony Rapp forgives him or whatever. This is all just hypothetical. But and then they go public. They said and, and they they you know talk this you know they, they explain the whole thing out. Um, that you know Anthony forgives him. This is what Kevin Spacey's doing. But because of everyone who is so no, he should never work again. He should never work again. He's and I, I know Kevin Spacey has the money, but that's besides the point. But yet he. Everyone's like, no, he, he shouldn't work, but he he forgave himself or he not forgave himself. He's gotten forgiven by the person who who he did these things to. 
Right. It, it, Does, it's, it's Frankenstein. Yeah. It's, we're, the, we're the villagers. We've decided what the crime is. We've decided what the punishment is. And so we're running through the streets with our torches. And, and again, I'm not saying that that's not necessarily the right thing to do in the, the long or short of it, is that, you know, maybe this is a monster. Maybe it is better for everybody that we we completely torch their ability to to be a part of this society. I I can't say whether that's true or not because we're just getting partial information. I while I absolutely believe that that stuff happened, and and especially knowing that there are other people who have now come forward and said that similar things have happened. It again, I don't. I'm not in charge of saying. It, who gets to be forgiven and who gets yeah. to to pay the the price? But likewise, there are people who are who are getting accused that you know aren't at a level of of Kevin Spacey, who are going to lose their livelihoods and may have a hard time coming back from that. You know, and and can't just go hide out on a on a private island somewhere can't go find refuge in another country where they don't give a shit about our provincial American ideals of, of age and consent and things. And that's, that's hard again, because when, when you're a criminal, you know, and you're convicted of a crime, you lose rights, you lose protections. And, and then that's why it's so important to investigate crimes deeply and, and, and put a hundred percent effort into it because so many people do go to jail that don't deserve to be. But in, in the cases of like, there was a crime, but no one's going to get prosecuted. So it's the court of public opinion that makes them pay. Is that the right thing? I don't know. I I, I, I can't say if it is or isn't. I, I feel sometimes, I feel sometimes on the side that, yeah, it should be. Um, and then I feel other times that it that shouldn't be. It's it's really hard. It's hard to to make up a mind in that again without knowing more. But I also know that I'm I'm fallible. I I will look at things and and I will go in with my pre existing beliefs and um and my my wants and hopes of like please don't be real, please don't be true. And I it's am I strong enough to open my eyes and see? outside of what I want versus what is the truth. Yeah. All right. So we, we went down a weird rabbit hole with that. Yep. Um, I, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah. It, I knew as soon as you started talking about it, it's like, shit, yeah. I should have chosen it, something else. No, no, it's, it's fine. Honestly, because it's one of these things like sometimes it just happens. Um, but to sum it up, hopefully, honestly, I, I think you hit it earlier. I hope that this, we, we get, you know, we get out, all these people who are like th- this all gets exposed to where what I'd love to see happen is when this stuff happens, it gets reported sooner. That's, that's where, what I want is, you know, where, where we have this investigations where, you know, the, like, like, you know, cr- uh, crimes can be, you know, there could be punishments for the crimes and all this stuff, not like 30 years ago and all this stuff, but whatever. Well, the, the starting point for that is what needs to happen first and foremost is when someone is a victim and comes forward. We have to make them feel safe in coming yes. forward. We have to make them feel like we are taking them seriously when they come forward. And and that's that's the beginning. Um yeah. and, and if you if you saw the the hashtag me too's and the amount of people that you know um that posted that and then the amount of people that you know that didn't post but you realize that they probably could have 
it, it, it's just so it just breaks my heart yes but it is it is the reality it's not a surprise as much as it is having a light shine on it so brightly it it means you can't look away from it and you shouldn't look away from it exactly that's what we all need to we we need to do better yeah so to switch things up i'm going to talk about mine which i alluded to a little bit when we were when we were talking about the all the stuff um i i this week I have a video game. It's a video game I've had for a couple months now since it came out. Um, but I've been playing it not all the time, but uh, you know when I've had free moments, and that is WWE 2K18 on the Xbox One. Actually, conveniently enough, over my uh, left shoulder here, this game honestly is freaking awesome. This can I play Junkyard Dog? I think you can. I can I play can. George Animal Steel? No, George isn't in there. Surprisingly, George isn't in there. Our um, one Michigan <laughs> wrestler that you know, that I know, yeah. Like uh, for my uh, time, he was the he was yeah. the Detroit guy. Oh yeah, but now uh, a guy who recently ran for the seat in Det- in for uh, one of Detroit in the the state representatives, uh, Rhino is in here. But no, so this they redid a lot of the stuff. It's um <laughs> no <laughs> Growly put did Corey say can I play jump your dog? No, it's junkyard dog. He's uh he's an old school uh wrestler from the 70s and 80s. Yeah, I, um, I I'm more of a reindeer games than a dog games. <laughs> but no, so honestly, this game really cool. Um there were some hilarious bugs that I think got patched, or at least I hope got patched. That I have that I have seen before, but the big thing is, and it's the reason why with this FIFA 18 and Madden 18, which are two other games that I've gotten uh, over the past couple weeks, that I'm loving their story modes. Uh, WWE used to have it with their games great story modes where you were actually like a couple of them. There, there was one I forget which one it was. But you actually had five different superstars. You were following their, like you had these this story that you were doing with each of them, and it was all something different. Like John Cena's was like this road to WrestleMania or something like that. But this, it's all it's it's called my player, which haha original. But you go through, you create your guy, you unlock more things as you go along, and you do about a year. It it takes place. It's about a year in WWE, and you're going through your your career as if you were a wrestler you start out in the uh, as a independent superstar and then you make your way into nxt um doing the training and stuff and then you uh depending on how things go you become nxt champion and once you become champion you have a quick rivalry and then you make it to one of the main rosters either raw or smackdown um and then the hilarity ensues so there's i think i think i've heard like five different uh routes that you can take uh, and the cool part is, like, I mean, you've got some some wrestlers from my childhood that I've loved that are in here. Like Triple H is because he's a WWE uh, head in the WWE head offices now. He's a, he's in on the Raw side, and one of the parts I loved is my character actually like was like standing up for. I had my character standing up for himself against Triple H, and like something I would never do if I was in this. If this was in real life, I've never been like yeah. I'd be like. Sure thing, boss. Because <laughs> um, it's like, because I get onto Raw after leaving NXT 
Ed, they're like, we want you to lose this match to, you know, to help, you know, enhance the talent because here, because, the, you know, they're coming back from injury and all this stuff. And I'm like, all right, fine. One time. I'm giving you one. And like, next week, we want you to lose to this guy. And it's like, is this the last time? It comes to me seriously. I, I told you I was giving you one here before, but I want to start, you know, I, I don't want to be a jobber, essentially. And then next week's like, we're going to do this. I'm like, um, no. Sorry, no, and then Triple H starts yelling at you and all that stuff. But no, it's it's super fun. I love the entrances that you that they have in here. They either they got really great actors doing the mocap to capture the the entrances of all the superstars, or they've had quite a bit of the the superstars go like uh, either down to full sail and just they did uh, set up a capture rig there, or to where to where they develop or wherever they develop the game and go through and just you know do their entrance and all that stuff the the lighting on here is really cool um like they're you playing on 4k uh it's so it's it's not in 4k because this is the one s doesn't play in true 4k right Um, yeah it just it does like this weird up converting but it still looks really good um one of the uh wrestlers that i've i've enjoyed for a while bobby rude he uh his whole thing is uh he's he's the glorious one and that was the first one that i had seen and i'm like ooh that does look glorious to use the the you know pun right there but it's it's one of these things i would love to see on the x like if only i had the 500 dollars to drop on that console but yeah it is like everything the only thing that i've i found weird is the hair for the women or if your character has longer hair is a little weird because it's not it's not like 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 it, it's almost like they're doing this weird layered look thing where each each strand like each hair it's not like each strand or like almost like even like bigger strands it's these parts that they have here so some of the characters when you're looking at they're like their hair looks really weird you can mocap a body but you can't mocap a hairstyle yeah exactly one of the things, honestly, that I love about this is the creator studio. People have, because this is what I used to do way back in the day with uh, WWE SmackDown on the PlayStation, was I would do, this is probably about what, 2000, actually this one was probably about 2004 or whatever, I think it was Raw vs. SmackDown or something like that, but I went online and found people who had created other wrestlers who weren't in WWE at the time and I would create the wrestler like in the in the creator the creator superstar thing well they started doing that but now you can actually upload them too and people have done that to where I have all these other superstars from Japan and uh the other American like smaller American promotions and and the the United Kingdom and some newer guys who who didn't make the cut yet like with and, and since I bought the deluxe edition, I have the DLC and I'm like, all right, you need to bring in these guys. But it's just funny to see like, so, and there's some people like some, some guy made Barack Obama and it looks like Barack Obama. <laughs> um, like you can get really good. Uh, the cool thing is you're with the, the, my player, get back to the, my player a little bit. You can actually have your guy go to other, um, go on to your friends shows. So for instance, friends of friends of the show uh glenn rubenstein and uh nate ward have both put have both come on to my show uh, in, in my roster in the back of the locker room 
I've never wanted. I, I I love Nate. I have never wanted to punch his wrestler more than every <laughs> time I see him. <laughs> Which is funny because it looks like Nate, but it's been like every time I talk because you could talk to people in the back and they do these weird random things. He's always a dick. No, that <laughs> sounds I'm, like Nate. <laughs> And I, I absolutely love Nate. Nate is one of my favorite people. Uh, one of one of my 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 favorite co podcasting uh, professional friends. I, yeah. I adore Nate and Brandon, of course. Uh, yeah. yeah, I could I could see a situation where I would punch Nate. Yeah, <laughs> and then the other one is Glenn's. Um, and oh god, if if only we had done this week before, you could actually had brought it up on on pot. But on two K seventeen. When I the one I played last year, um, actually like a couple like a few months ago, so I I bought it at for cheap. Glenn's was on there. I didn't realize it was his, but there was like a character named Glenergy. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, but I thought it was just like a weird random character, like a default character that they made. And then I go to this, and it's, but it's using his name in there. It's like, uh, Glenergizer, is his name. It looks a little bit more like like Glenn, but if Glenn was Samoan, <laughs> like me, I don't try to make it like me. I name him me. Like his his name is Gregor on there, and his Twitter handle is actually my Twitter handle. But I don't make him look like me at all because I'm like, well, he's gonna be fat, and uh, we already have Kevin Owens on there. We don't need another Kevin Owens. Uh, so I, I do the, I, as I say, the ideal version, if I were to actually have been a professional wrestler of it uh, and all that stuff. But yeah, really cool. Well, Glenn, game. Glenn is the host, one of the hosts on the uh, WINC podcast, which is a, a wrestling podcast. Uh, and so it, it may not even been in him that made it. Maybe uh, fans that did. Uh, it's it's hard to say. I didn't but hear him is, say anything about yeah. it, but but still, yeah, um, that's funny. It would be the ultimate Glenn if when he came walking on, his intro music was headboard. Uh, so. <laughs> that's See, that's the one thing that I wish they had in here because right now I'm using another superstar's entrance music, like his whole thing, his music, his movie, all that. 2017, they in the 2017 version, they actually had a movie editor, but it was so complicated. Like, I'm like, okay, where's the keyboard attachment, like the full-on, like, keyboard for computer attachment to do, you know, my control Z and all this stuff. But, and they have great songs on here. Like, 2017's uh, was, I didn't like it as much, but it had, uh, it was all music that was, or that was all selected by uh, Sean P. Diddy Combs, or Brother Love Combs. This year's, it was all selected by The Rock. So you come in. Like one of the songs is uh oh god I can't think of the band but the uh one beer one shot one whiskey oh yeah one bourbon one shot and one beer yeah. uh oh god I can't oh, think of that guy's name I don't know why Kid Rock's on there with Cocky um uh, there's a, a Kanye West song on there George Thorogood yeah I kept wanting to say John Fogarty I'm like no it's not John Fogarty <laughs> but there's like this is one of the few like soundtracks for this game that i'm like i like all but one song on here and it's the the kanye west song but it's mainly because they use the edited version i think to keep it a t rating but the 
like there's a good part where you you only hear like every fifth word because his song is the black skinhead because it sounds like the opening of the show <laughs> yeah um actually no it's a lot worse but no like they got blues brothers soul man boston smoking with smoking uh bruno mars runaway baby disturbed down with the sickness easy e with uh boys in the hood george thurgood and the, and the destroyers with one bourbon one shot one beer uh joe walsh rocky mountain way kanye west with black skin head like i said uh kid rock with you never met a white boy quite like me Mayday featuring Tech Nine with Last One Standing and Tech Nine featuring Chris Calico, Serge uh, Tenkin, which I think he's uh, from uh, Kasabian, with Straight Out of the Gate, and that's like this whole soundtrack. I'm like, oh, it's awesome, but you can't use him in creative wrestler mode. And I'm like, I would so come out to one bourbon, one shot, one beer, <laughs> or you know, or Soul Man, you know, any of these ones, I'd come out to those. But it, it should let no. you choose your song. It should let you not just yeah. choose what it has, but let you the and, the whole the, even if it was something you had to go and buy it through what was uh, X Play Music before or Microsoft Music or Bing yeah. Music, whatever they want to call it. Um, it would still be something to let you, you used to be able to buy tracks for Guitar Hero and Rock Band. It, it just makes sense that you should be able to in your create a wrestler or create a skater in Tony Hawk games. You should be able to make your own playlists and put those things in and have I mean, your introduction. That That's the level of gaming that we should be at by now. There's no reason with the technology that we have that we couldn't do it. Um, we've been able to buy our own fucking ringtones for the last 15 years. It It's just ridiculous that at this point in time, that's not something that they're including. It, it's not even a licensing thing because you're only putting it on there for your own usage. Yeah. I mean, it's and especially because this you're on the right point, because like I said before, with the whole creator wrestler or the, the download community thing, when you can download arenas, titles, like you can actually go in there and down and download the all the Ring of Honor titles, all the Impact Wrestling titles, the New Japan titles, all these titles that WWE does not have the rights for. And you could play them at, with the wrestlers and then download the wrestlers to be the champions and then fight Brock Lesnar and AJ Styles and all these other guys. And yet we can't do like, uh, like 21 pilots uh, ride or, you know, any of these songs, it's just your list of, from all these other superstars. And then you're like, like 10, 20 generic songs that are just super boring. Yeah. 2019 fix that please. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that is it. Um, you can find that on both on Xbox One, the Nintendo Switch, the PlayStation 4, and I believe PC. Um, so yeah. And that is going to do it for the Else Views. We will be right back with the Else Words. The galaxy far, far away feels closer now than ever before, and your guides through this galaxy are ready to help. I'm Zach Hagenbusher, one half of the new Jedi Archives podcast with Ben Schultz. Join us every other Tuesday for our experiences with the Star Wars saga from the core films that we know and love, well, you know, some of them, to the annals of history and the works that shaped Star Wars into what we know it as today. Just jump in wherever you'd like. Download an episode of the new Jedi Archives today. And we're back with the else words. This is the big discussion topic. And when I say big, this is actually big. The man responsible for 
I'd say probably a third of the writing at Marvel right now just left. The guy who has written almost every mainstream Marvel title except for one, and that's because it is not being published currently and, and isn't allowed on the docket, uh, according to rumors, and that would be Fantastic Four. And the guy who created characters and made characters relevant again to a point where they are showing up in the Netflix shows. Uh, it, it, we talk about the last original character that, that got popular in, in comics was Deadpool, but that's not necessarily true. Uh, certainly, I'd say the, the biggest recognition character that I think is just probably around the corner from getting seen more mainstream would be Kamala Khan. But this character... This guy created a character that has her own show, uh, which is Jessica Jones, and and hugely popular uh, based off of the TV series and the second season starting up, and created Miles Morales, who is getting his own movie if it's still going on with Sony, uh, and and has shown up in the cartoon series and stuff like that. Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, Brian Michael Bendis has jumped from Marvel to DC in a multi-year, multi-faceted, exclusive deal. DC announced this on Twitter on November 7th. Yeah. Now, as you mentioned... November 7th. Yeah, November 7th, sorry. As you mentioned, created Jessica Jones, created Miles Morales, has written just about every book at Marvel... Uh, who's who's the is it Riri Williams the yeah, Ironheart uh, Riri Williams Ironheart he he created her yeah he's just went over to DC helped but, establish the current run of Luke Cage to the point of making Luke Cage kind of reintroduce Luke Cage in a way in the first Jessica Jones series Alias not in a nice way at first but then then brought the character in and was such a big proponent of Luke Cage that he brought him into the Avengers, his Avengers run uh, when he did new Avengers and brought prominence to Iron Fist. So a lot of the stuff, his Daredevil run was a big reason why the Daredevil show I think happened. You look at all the Netflix shows, Brian's hand has been in all of those characters except probably Punisher, but he, he certainly used him in places. And that's, that's just his Marvel work. You know, he, he did his own stuff in his books, uh, before I don't remember if he was part of caliber, but with goldfish and I think jinx and some of the other stuff, his, uh, book powers with Michael Oming. Yeah, it was, it was that icon eventually, but it wasn't at first his stuff at image where he was writing Sam and Twitch for Todd McFarlane, the spawn characters led him to Marvel. And then at Marvel, he basically jump-started the entire Ultimate Universe with his Ultimate Spider-Man title. And everything that happened after that came out of him and Mark Miller, Miller for the longest time until other people came in and, well, I mean, Jeff Loeb just fucking shit the bed on it. But still, Bendis's Ultimate Spider-Man and then Ultimate Miles Morales characters really were the most consistent title that entire line and was the only thing worth saving from it, I guess, except for maybe this other Thor or his hammer or something. I don't know. But yeah, huge deal. 
Bendis was also part of the architects that went and were referenced with the Marvel film universe for a while, but also the people that kind of lost favor because Kevin Fahey didn't want to deal with Marvel's bullshit, mostly meaning like Perlmutter, and and just said, no, we're just going to do this ourselves now. So Fahey took control of the Marvel film line and Marvel comics have more of their hands in the TV stuff that Jeff Loeb is is more or less in a part of and invested in. So that's where you see the breakdown between them and why the crossovers are less and less likely to happen between those TV characters and the movie characters. Not that the TV stuff isn't doing some good stuff and, and not that they're not doing some awful stuff too in humans. Um, but it, it's, it's a weird thing. And I wonder if that's part of why Bendis jump ship one he's done almost everything you can do at marvel he's done guardians of the galaxy he's done x-men books he's done iron man uh i don't know that he's done cap but he's used cap certainly in avengers running multiple avengers books at a time there's so much stuff his uh spider-man mainstream books he's done it almost all and and his first run in Ultimate Spider-Man, he and Mark Bagley did that series. They wanted to get to a point where they both worked on it the entire way through to at least match the run that Stan Lee did on it uh, originally. And so they they did, and they I think they actually beat him out by maybe an issue or something like that. And that was a huge deal in and of itself. But he's he's been the Marvel guy for so long. He was definitely one of the, if not the top creator at Marvel certainly the top writer at Marvel for consecutive number of years. So to see him go over to DC, the only thing I can think of other than boredom and looking for new challenges is that at DC, he might still be able to get more in hand with the DC film property stuff or the DC TV property stuff. And that is, I think, a big deal to him. Not just because it's lucrative, but because it is the next level for him as a writer. And being in a Marvel contract and not being able to be a part of those Marvel films uh, because you're seen as just a comics writer and we don't want to deal with the comics people at this point, that's a pretty big slap in the face of somebody like Bennett. So yeah, going to DC and saying, hey, I'm going to do something with, say, the Kate Spencer Manhunter or I'm going to do something with Nort from the Green Lantern Corps and Justice League Europe uh, or whatever, but making something big and making a splash. And his name on on a property, no matter what it is, is going to be a big thing at first, no matter what it is. But then he is likely to take something and make some gold out of it. And you can you can say what you want about Bendis' writing style and how he works in some books, but on other books, especially team books, all his characters start to sound alike. Uh, but he, he's been a hugely successful and a hugely influenced, influential writer. He's the reason why I first got scripting software. I think he was the reason why I first learned about Scrivener as, as a writing software and, and taking the stuff from Scrivener and then loading it up into the script writing software to clean it up. But he, he came in with a different writing style than what other people were doing. He wrote more like TV scripts and movie scripts than the Marvel style, which was plot, let the people draw the pages and then come back and dialogue dialogue over it. He didn't do that. He wrote full script. So it's it'll be interesting to see what DC can do with him and what DC can do for him. But it's also interesting to see 
what is Marvel going to be like without him? Yeah. So I know he's currently writing, I think he's doing Iron Man. Um, he's doing both Iron Man series. He's doing the Doom one. Well, the, Doom, the, one, the Doom one wrapped up. The Doom oh, it one finished? Okay. The, it's it's tied in with um, Invincible Iron Man. Yep. Um, he's So I believe if I'm, I'm, I might be wrong, but he's doing Spider-Man 2. Well, or Spider-Man 2, yeah, which that, that's a limited run series. They just got two or three more issues to go. He's doing the current Jessica Jones series, and I yep. want to say he's doing the Defenders series. Uh, yeah, yep. He's doing Jessica Jones, Defenders, the Miles Morales Spider-Man book, which I believe is just called Spider-Man. He was and doing the, the Peter Parker Spider-Man, uh, the one where Peter Parker was rich and started a company and everything. He was doing that too, I think. Or maybe there was uh, Dan yep. Slott. No, you're right. It's Dan Slott. Uh, D- Dan Slott did uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's so he's got four books that he's currently writing. Some of those I can I can easily see other writers doing. But my question is the Jessica Jones book. Jessica Jones and Miles Morales are really are are both attributed to him. Yeah. Strictly, like it's not like other people haven't written them in in other stuff, but their main titles have always been him. Yeah. And and yeah, so seeing someone else come in and and take over Jessica Jones, which someone's going to have to, it'll be interesting to see who that is. Someone coming in and taking over Miles Morales again has to happen. But who is that person who steps in that shoes? But that is the nature of creating work for higher stuff for companies. And yeah. it's also a big joy of it is that you create something that outlasts you. Stan Lee, while writing Spider-Man consistently still, because he does the the newspaper strips, Spider-Man outgrew Stan decades ago. Yeah. They started introducing stuff. One of the stories we almost did today was about the movie that they're working on at Sony for Morbius, the living vampire. Mm-hmm. And that came out, I think, right in the issue after Stan stopped working on the book. It was like the next issue, 101 or something, was when they introduced Morbius. That's that is a, an amazing thing to see what other people do with your work. I've I've had ideas for stuff that I would like to re- release in the public domain, and and see what other people take and run with. Then I'm nobody, but it's still it's hard to come into something that was created by one person and not be judged against them. And some people are going to think, oh, you're doing great, and other people are going to think, no, you're not the guy who should be doing this because there was only one guy who can do this. Lucas is the only one who should do Star Wars, or the only one who should do. Uh, Indiana Jones or Spielberg, there's certainly there's there's people that you're never going to win with, and then people who might give you a fair shot and decide, well, this just doesn't work for me, but I I appreciate what you're doing. Brian K. Vaughn doing Runaways, and then the first person, the first couple of people, everybody who took over Runaways actually afterwards, uh, had to deal with the fact that they weren't Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah. You know, that that's the joy of creator own stuff versus work for hire stuff. Do you have like choices of who you'd see doing those two books? Um, gosh, that's tricky. I would honestly, part of me for Jessica Jones, I would probably say Charles Sewell just because he's, you know, it's, it's sort of sticking with the whole, like he's done she Hulk. He's done. He's doing daredevil right now. Like I could see him doing that. But here's here's the other interesting part that we didn't hit on. Both I believe both of these uh, Miles Morales and I know Jessica Jones 
the artists have that for their, you could say the same thing for the artists. Sarah Pacelli has been the primary artist for Miles Morales. Yeah. With his yeah. solo title. And Michael Gatos on over on the Jessica Jones side has been, you know, he's credit he is one of the creators of Jessica Jones. Yeah. And all that. Alex so is another one who's done a lot with Bendis that you would think all three potentially could go with him if he wants to take his his style across with him. And and certainly there's nothing wrong with with trying to find a reward system for the artists that you've worked with and have relationships with. Hey, I really like working with this guy. I think we could do some amazing work together on this character over here. Why don't you offer them a contract and bring them over? But it is also the opportunity to reinvent yourself of like, hey, I'm going over to D.C., uh, you should come over to DC. Yeah, but if I come over to DC, I don't necessarily want to do the same style of book we're doing over here. I would like to do this completely different character. Well, we'll get your foot in the door and then we'll give you other opportunities as they come up. But I know DC is like, yeah, we'd really like you to do something that's like Jessica Jones because that was the big hit for you. Or I really yeah. want you to do something like Miles Morales. But but our takes, our, our characters, or new invention characters. Yeah, I, as I would... far as who writing Jessica Jones? Thinking about the style, it's a noirish thriller. Uh, I would really love to see a a woman writing her mm-hmm. and going. And I again, limited knowledge of who's working at Marvel right now. Limited knowledge because I'm not reading the Marvel comics much right now. But knowing what she's doing on Punisher, I think it would be really cool to Ooh, see Becky Cloonan. Yes. So, oh God, yes, I would love that. Yeah, I think um, I think she could do some awesome stuff. And man, if she did covers or something for it, because I know she's not drawing full time right now, but she is a fantastic artist. I I could see her really making some great stuff happen with with Jessica Jones. Uh, Miles Morales is a little bit trickier because I what I like about Miles is that he is straight up Spider Man. I mean, he's not Peter Parker, but he is Spider Man, and I'd like to see someone do something really fun and just straight superhero comics with them and man who who would that be is i, is the I could see i could see chip zadarsky doing that zadarsky um, would be fun zadarsky would would definitely be fun because he, he's he's currently doing a spider-man book he's doing uh peter parker the spectacular spider-man um, if they could if they could steal him man christopher priest it, it, it because christopher priest is just to me one of the ultimate comic book writers in general and what he's doing on uh, Deathstroke, I hear, is incredible right now, kind of making him more heroic and, and the stuff that he's doing with the crossover with Teen Titans and everything and some of those characters. I, but I've liked Priest for a long time. I've always liked Peter David, Kirk Busiek, because he's he's so purely comic book would be great. But it, it's hard for me to think about who's who's there right now. I mean, Dan Slott is obviously the Spider-Man lead right now. Yeah, Dan Slott's doing amazing Spider-Man right now. And what he could do with Miles could be really good. Yeah. But I just worry that it might feel like a rehash because he's been so Peter Parker for so long. And Miles is likely to share a lot of characters and stories that it just might the be the other, same things over again. Yeah. The other one I would actually throw out there too. I, th- I think you said Peter David. He's doing uh, Ben Riley, Scarlet Spider. Yeah. Uh, right now with Marvel. But the other one that she's joining this book. Um, at least because I got the previews issues coming out for January, but for she's doing Amazing Spider-Man: Renew Your Vows. So this is alternate universe 
with uh the or Peter and MJ are still married and they still have yeah, their kid. And they have and they have uh yeah Annie, their kid, who is now I believe in this next or the issue that came out this month, uh she's aged eight years, like they time jump eight years into the future. But uh Jody Hauser, I could see she's currently doing um over at DC Mother Panic. Oh yeah. And that's you know, I don't know, there's honestly a lot of people that I could see Okay, I will say this, and I do not mean it to sound bad. One person I don't think I would want to see is um, Ed Ed Brisson. He's doing Iron Fist and a few other books, and it was just like I've uh, um, Old Man Logan's another one. I think he's doing the Old Man Hawkeye uh, book that's coming out in January. I I'm not the biggest fan. Like I I dropped Old Man Logan because I'm like eh, this. I like the story that they were telling before that Jeff Lemire was telling and then he left and I was, I was enjoying the books a little bit, but I'm like, eh, maestro. Yay. <laughs> Started a deal. But no, I honestly, I look at this going back to the Brian Michael Bendis side of things here. I hope he's able to do, to sort of do some revitalization on D on the DC side of things here. Well, what would you like to see him? If, if we're talking about, putting Bendis into a book where it just seems like safe bet, solid fit, going to sell a lot of issues. Where do you put Bendis? Part of me would want to say Batman, but that seems like Batman seems very obvious because it, it seems like that's his style point and everything. And is that exciting to go from having done daredevil for such a good number of years and, and that dark gritty kind of thing, like certainly a GCPD kind of book, but we've already had GCPD before. Um, And so he just, not necessarily be stealing from Rucka, but it would be like that was Rucka's book, and Bendis makes sense on it, or or any caveat of of those type of characters. A question series, mm-hmm. uh, be it Renee Montoya or or Vic or whoever in the role. I I I was joking around when I said uh, the Kate Spencer Manhunter, but now that I think about it, I'm like that would be really cool. Chase was another one, but those are lesser characters. Certainly, if you want to get him into a big book, he's done space operatic with guardians of the galaxy so you could get him in a green lantern that that was what i was thinking of was green lantern because i mean i could see not so much the space opera but i could see it with him in the ability like in any one of these i would sort of want to see a character he creates in this so yeah and green lantern would be a, a good interesting one um because i mean you know they have you know, they, they create new Green Lanterns from Earth all the time. I, there's part of me that would like to see, you know, them do a, you know, a Red Lanterns or a, you know, Sinestro Corps book, um, you know, taking from one of the other Lantern Corps in here. I'd also, I would honestly, I would, I'd be interested to see what he does with uh, Dr. Fate. I would like to see him do Black Lightning. Yeah. Uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is Black Lightning has a TV series coming up. And so someone needs to do that book to be not necessarily a tie into the series, but to be the representation of the character in comics while that TV series is going. Uh, Second, uh, one of the things about Brian Michael Bendis, uh, if if you know his background at all, is that he has a daughter who is mixed race. Mm -hmm. And so I think that he could be very interesting to write not only from the perspective of race, for the character, but also from the fact that the character is a father 
uh, in the comics. I don't know if he is currently in the the whatever version of the DC universe we're in now. With Rebirth, I, I haven't seen him in there. But if we're talking about tying it into the TV series, then they should because that is something they're planning to explore at the TV series. So I, that's... I add, yeah, I, sorry, I will, I will add one more. The Flash. Either The Flash or Teen Titans. Because, and you, you've already hit it all with this new the new wally west that a lot of people don't like this you know half black kid the black wally west that we got running around here the everyone's like oh he's not my wally west you either you 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 get hit this guy in here to where you get brian mcbenison here to where he can bump him up you know add some character to him to make him different from you know just being like oh this is the new 52 wally west no this is rebirth wally west this is you know how he's different from new 52 and how he's actually better than redheaded wally west i think the only problem is that that would be that would be a third title for bendis like not his main title because i think the loss potential is very high on that book it's it's either going to land or it's going to just sink uh and and that's the problem is because the preconceived conceptions of the character because yes not my wally west do we need how many flashes slash kid flashes do we have to have that sort of thing is part of it it would be the same thing with cyborg cyborg is someone that he could probably do great things with but the audience has shown over and over again that they are not there for cyborg in a solo series yet i could see honestly with with cyborg i could see doing something more like what marvel does is doing with falcon and black panther Mm-hmm. With getting you know Tanahasi Coates and Ronnie Barnes, you know like getting like prominent black authors writing them, yeah. which which they did with Cyborg, and I was you know the first story arc I was enjoying, but it was it was after I think it was the second I think by about issue twelve I think I was just like I it, like it fell down to low enough on my list where I'm like I ain't got time to read comic. <laughs> yeah cyborg is i think always going to be a hard sell because just yeah. the name is so old-fashioned there's nothing exciting about the ideas of the character at this point we it, it's old hat character that never got his due work great in a team uh work great because the relationships in teen titans back in the day uh not so much because the character himself as as a as a power set was cool and it's so hard to write a character that is non-human but is also very human at the same time and is dealing with the the differences and the disabilities and stuff it's it to make it interesting in a comic series all about that one character stuff the other thing is bendis on a team book we're we're again at the challenges of does the dialogue feel like everybody's talking the same voice and while that is not necessarily the most fair complaint there are times when it's like I've seen a lot of talking heads in a Bendis Avengers comic. Everybody's sitting there and it's like an episode of The Office. Everyone's just sitting there talking to the screen and it's just you can't tell the difference of the characters if you weren't looking at the picture that was drawn next to it. So but if I was going to give him a team book and if it was a team book that defers, desperately needs a big name creator to come in and make a splash on it. At this point in time, it would probably be Legion of Superheroes. Mm-hmm. 
the other one would be Justice Society of America, but I don't see him doing that because it's so much of a legacy thing. And I think they really need to figure out what JSA is. But Legion of Superheroes needs to come back. And I think is coming back. And the timing is there that they could come back at this point. It's just a question of whether he's going to be on it or if Jeff Johns is going to be on it. But yeah, as, as, as far as single characters... I lean towards Black Lightning, but I know that's not a big selling point. So does he go Superman? Does he go Wonder Woman? What do we, what of our big seven do we give him? Yeah, Batman just makes the most sense. It, it, yeah. It's such a safe bet, but that's kind of what you want. That launching out point of like, yeah, Brian Michael Bendis came over from Marvel and he's now the writer on our number one selling book. Well, Batman's already been your number one selling book for a long time and it's been at the top of the the charts every month for for years uh, between Tom King or or Scott Snyder or whoever. Yeah, yeah, but Bendis is writing it. He came over. He's writing the number one book for DC Comics, not for Marvel. So, uh, yeah, we're taking that as a win. I f- yeah, I feel like Batman's too easy of a too too easy of a pick in all honesty. Well, you first showboat um, and then you get brave. And and yeah. I, and he's not going to write one book. It's Bendis. You know, he oh, can't. No, yeah. He'll he'll launch a, a hundred projects at Vertigo that will never come out. Uh, you'll get two issues and then they'll disappear off the racks, like all his icon stuff. But yeah, that's and that that's the thing too, is that the icon stuff was always like, oh, we're letting Bendis do this and we're letting Miller do this because it's Bendis and Miller and because they've made us billions of dollars. But the icon stuff was never never a big driver. Vertigo is still looking for that sense of like what are we now compared to what we were in the 90s and while Broadway is doing stuff with his own imprint maybe Bendis gets an imprint maybe Ooh, he gets like something that. like that and it's easily possible and and especially if he brings artist talents over yeah that's that's not only possible it's likely uh because of the level that we're talking about here but maybe he just wants to play with the DC stuff. Maybe he does one of a a third Justice League book and he picks and chooses the characters that he wants to put onto it. And it's like the secret of Avengers of the DC universe. Who knows? That that could be exciting. Or he goes full scale like Lex Luthor's a good guy who walks a fine line. And uh, we're going to use my bald head as the model for the character in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the only other thing that I want to say in relation to this is not exactly about this, but it is an announcement that I saw today, and it is Marvel is not themselves uh, ignoring getting talent, uh, bringing in new talent. So <laughs> I'm only really bringing this up because uh, he, he's a friend. He's someone that I've liked for a long time. Ron Richards was hired by Marvel, got announced today. Yeah, I know you look surprised. You didn't see it. I posted it in the Slack. Ron what? Richards what? is now the VP managing editor of new media for Marvel Comics. He's apparently been working in the offices since October, uh, which is funny because he just got married, too. So he's been sneaking around a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Um, wow. Ron used to work for Image Comics. I was actually I, I ran into him when I was at the Image Expo a couple of years ago, and he stopped by and and kind of like chatted with me a little bit and just always one of my favorite people anyways. Also co-founder of iFanboy. And uh, he, he's in a lot of stuff with Drop Kitchen uh, graphically and Revision 3. So 
now a Marvel guy. And I know not on the creative front as much, but new media is something that is a big deal for all of these companies. And how do we get into these new places for these new eyes to find us? And I think he's a definitely solid choice to uh, to have in that role. So I'm excited for him. And on a separate, completely separate note, and mainly because I was seeing her on the Discord, congratulations to Christy Cates with her reaching a thousand uh, followers on Twitch. That is nice. Awesome. She posted it like I believe seven times today on Twitter. I know because I get alerts when she tweets, and I'm like, "This is the same tweet. This is the same." <laughs> did, did her did her Twitter break? <laughs> but congrats, uh, Christy. Uh, but yeah, so that's gonna wrap it up here. Otherwise, we're just gonna start congratulating people on things, and also I gotta get up in six hours. Congratulations! Uh, I'm making it to work tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but. Wrapping things up here, you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966, or you can email us mail at eltsnerds.com. I read all of that. All of our subscription options and links can be found on over at gncasts.com slash subscribe. And if you go on all the social network stuff and you search for Galactic Netcasts, you will find our Facebook, Twitter, um, I think that's it. I don't know if we have Instagram or not. Uh, Mastodon.social. Yes, Mastodon.social. All the, all the social networking stuffs. Um, you can also find, that's where you can find the show page. And, you know, we're at Twitter, on, on Twitter, at Elsnerds, um, or Amphora Elsnerds, if you watch or listen to No Such Thing as a Fish. You can follow our producers at Beatmaster80, at Mr. Underscore Fusion. I can be found at, well, or actually, on before I get to me, um, Sean Burns can be found or found over at S Burns PA. All of those on Twitter. I can be found uh, at that Gregor. Corey, where can people find you? You know what? I'm going to forgo finding me right now, uh, just because I've been a slacker on the Donuts Comics. You should go to DonutsComics.com anyway. See all the stuff that's been sitting there for a long time, and and it is far too much stuff for you to get through in one week for me to start posting comics again. But still, what I'm going to ask of you, uh, our listener. Z- uh is there is we've 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 asked for reviews on itunes before i am so anti-itunes slash apple podcast whatever it is uh because i'm not in the apple ecosystem because itunes is a bane of any computer that's been put onto yes there is a new beta site that is trying to do something which i think is a long time coming which is taking control of podcast rating systems out of the hands of an iTunes out of the hands of a Google play and putting it into the hands of everybody, a, a unified place where it doesn't matter if you're an Android ecosystem, if you're a Apple ecosystem, if you're someone who listens and streams and stuff through YouTube or whatever, you can go to one place and rate everything. And that is podchaser.com. I'm not affiliated with these people. I do not know these people. I, I think I remember them posting in some, some podcasts, Facebook groups and stuff before. Uh, when they were first launching this, I'm just excited to see the opportunity for people to be able to rate in something that isn't tied to someone's ecosystem, especially someone who, frankly, I'm afraid I don't believe that Apple cares about podcasts enough to be in charge of this is where you have to go to rate, uh, even if you are listening through Stitcher or whatever. So podchaser.com, you can look us up. 
you can look Podcast of Terror, any of the Galactic Network shows, and any of your other favorite podcasts. I've been looking at other ones that I listen to, and I want to go through and try to give them all ratings as well, because, yeah, it started off great. You could be the, the very first rating for a podcast that is your favorite show that no one else has found it on here yet, and uh, and be the thing that launches other eyes onto them, and they would appreciate it from you. And and as as a person who likes podcasts, I would appreciate it, even if it's not my show. Just uh, go check it out. There you go. The final thing to be said before we say goodnight is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. Or else I'll put iTunes on your damn computer. And it comes with a free U2 album. Galactic Network podcast, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.